Electric Friends, a Gary Newman podcast celebrating the tracks by a musical pioneer. In 2011, it had been five long years since we had a new Gary Newman album to enjoy. 2006's Jagged seemed long in the memory at the time, and it might have been an even longer wait had it not been for a brilliant idea from Gary's producer Aid Fenton. What started off as just a filler album of lost songs turned into a full studio album, and one that I personally think is one of Gary's best. We'll tackle the story and making of Dead Sun Rising more fully in a future episode, but for now, let's look back at the album's lead single and the start of Gary's further resurgence, The Fall. Sunrising was created using a set of demos Gary had left over from previous projects, but as he explained, the original ideas that sparked off these songs are now barely visible. It's grown into another animal, something more experimental. The album was co-written and co-produced by Gary with Aid Fenton, who was also his collaborator on Jagged. Gary told Chain DLK back in 2011, Dead Sun Rising was originally intended to be a filler album, something that we thought would be reasonably quick to make and would fill in the gap between the previous studio album Jagged and the intended follow-up to that, an album called Splinter. I expected Splinter to take about two to three years to make, and so putting something out during that gap would help to keep fans interested. This plan did not work out at all. Dead Sun Rising was originally going to be made up of unused songs that had been written for the previous three albums, Exile, Pure and Jagged. They hadn't made it onto those albums for a variety of different reasons, but I still thought they were good songs, just not quite right for the albums they were originally intended for. I had about 14 tracks that we felt we could finish off fairly easily, and which could make a very good album. Aid went to work and quickly came back with a number of tracks that sounded strong and near to completion. I did various bits on some of these, vocals and lyrics for The Fall for example, and progress was made, but I have to admit, almost from the beginning it didn't come together the way I'd hoped. I began to dislike most of the chord structures and melodies I had written for those songs, and the more Aid did, the more I felt that my part of the process was letting the project down. In 2009, I had to admit that I really didn't like any of it and turned my back on the project entirely. 
Then after about 18 months of ignoring it, I found myself on holiday in America and I heard my wife Gemma playing some fantastic music from another room. I rushed in to find out what it was, only for her to tell me that it was the Dead Sun Rising tracks that I said I'd hated 18 months earlier. I called Aid and said that I'd changed my mind yet again and committed to finish the album as soon as I got home. Luckily, Aid had continued to work on the album during my absence and I had improved many of the songs and so when I did start to contribute again, it was quite different to the earlier version and much better. I then became obsessed by it and worked out flat for a while, adding far more lyrics and vocals than we had originally planned. The end result is an album that has almost nothing of those early demo versions that we started with. It's about 95% brand new material, not a filler album at all, and I'm so very proud of it, and very grateful to Aid for sticking with it and for bringing me back in. It's really interesting to hear Gary say that, and I'm sure every creative person has this. Things that they've made that they think aren't all that great will be loved by others, or things that they think are brilliant are a bit meh for others. And this album is all about that, songs that fell by the wayside, and all they needed is someone else with a different perspective putting their last bit of magic on it, and it creates a fantastic album. You just wonder what else Gary's got lying around somewhere. Um, while Pure and Jagged laid the groundwork, I'd argue that Dead Sun Rising was the first album that saw Gary and Aid really hit their stride with creating an awesomely rich industrial electronic rock sound. The album sounded slicker than what had come before, and now that Aid and Gary had been working closely for a number of years, it was clear that they were perfect for each other in the studio. And it has to be said that Gary's love and influence from Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails became evident with this album. By this point, Gary had become a friend of Reznor's and had even performed live with Nine Inch Nails. Gary realised that it was this kind of music that he wanted to create and that it was his music that had influenced Reznor in the first place, so it had all come full circle. Gary told The Skinny at the time of Reznor and whether they could collaborate in the future. He said, I love him, he's such a brilliant bloke and he's so clever. He's a genius and I bow in awe, really. But he's a workaholic so he's always doing something really important like an Oscar or something and I feel really embarrassed about saying hey how about my little thing how about we get onto that in between those two Oscar things that you're doing so I've been really passive about the whole thing I think he sees my passiveness as being not interested and we're both quirky blokes and we both have our emotional issues but I'd love to do it and perhaps more than any other track do you hear the influence of Reznor than on the lead single The Fall from its pulsating guitar riff intro to its electric glitches and aggressive lyrics, yes, it does sound like a cracking Nine Inch Nails song, but it also sounds like Gary on incredibly top form. It's one of Gary's catchiest songs over the last 15 years or so. personnel was Gary on vocals and keyboards, Aid Fenton on keyboards and programming, Tim Muddyman on guitar, acoustic guitar and bass, and Steve Harris on guitar. Lyrically, the song appears to show Gary having something of an accusatory look at someone from his life who has spiralled over the years. He has a feeling of anger towards someone who has gone down a dark path and perhaps betrayed him in some way. 
Now, from looking online uh, from f- and a few comments on social media, a lot of people have suggested that the song is in fact written about Gary's former friend and bandmate, Aid Orange, uh, who played with Gary on keyboards for many years from the 80s until he was let go from the band in 2007. Aid has uh, spoken about it in various interviews over the years, and I guess we'll just have to take what he says with a pinch of salt. I'm not going to go down the uh, gossip route, especially as Gary hasn't said anything specific himself, so I'll let you make your own mind up. Uh, the only thing I could find is a quote from Gary about the song in Magnetic Mag from the time, and I assume this is a real quote. He says, So the fall. This was the first song to be finished, and we started playing this live at least two years ago, maybe longer. Already a crowd favourite at gigs. It has a huge bass line and a rousing anthemic chorus. It's a powerful song to play live, very exciting. It's about a once very good friend of mine who decided that my wife and I had done something unkind, which we had not, and a whole world of unpleasantness kicked off never to be fixed. It's a shiny example of how someone who is arrogant, paranoid and bitter is likely to go off the rails at any moment. So The Fall is actually a reworked version of the song Look from the 2000 Pure Sessions and that featured on the Purified Tour audio programme. say one of the most exciting things about The Fall was its music video and if anything it could be said that it's Gary's best ever music video. It was filmed in very creepy surroundings and Gary stars in the video alongside Aid Fenton while Gemma also makes a cameo appearance. He said in his Revolution book about the video. In February we decided to make a video for what sounded like the most obvious single on the album, a song called The Fall. Paul Green was again involved in the making of the video and he discovered an abandoned asylum near Lincoln. It was falling apart in places, so it gave us the perfect setting for the song. It was bitterly cold. We shot the video over three days in the dead of winter in a building with few unbroken windows and zero heating. It was a tad creepy as well. But Paul put together a video that is still one of my favorites. Gemma was in it, playing the part of a dead woman in a bath, which she did magnificently. Aid Fenton was in it too, which made perfect sense, as I decided to credit everything on the album as a co-write, so it was as much his as it was mine. I was very aware that it was only Aid's dogged determination to keep working on it when I didn't want to know that had made the album happen at all. Not only that, the production work he'd done was above and beyond, and it seemed only fair that he should take a larger share of it. I was all for calling it a Newman Fenton album, but he didn't want to. As the year progressed, we carried on tinkering with it and adding parts and some new songs that were never part of the original outtake idea. By the time it was finished, it had become so much more than an outtakes album. 
and uh, quite aptly for such a creepy video it currently has 666,000 views at the time of recording uh, and if you remember the last episode where we talked about how Gary struggled to perform as an actor in the video for She's Got Claws you can see just how his confidence has grown since then uh, as he's a pretty good actor I'd say in this one uh, The Fall also existed in a variety of different mixes since it debuted live several years ago The Band Officers uh, who Gary had worked with before, remixed it for the Dead Moon Falling remix album. And there were also three mixes on the Dead Sun Rising Super Deluxe Edition, including one from South Central, who he had also worked with. According to setlist.fm at least, Gary started performing it, as he said earlier, in 2009, a full two years before it was commercially available, and it's now the 10th most performed song of his of all time, showing just how important and popular it's proved to be. And uh, just looking at your comments about the song, I'd say it was about a 90% positive reaction to this song. Uh, and from its recentish catalogue, um, I'd say it's definitely one of the fan favourites. On Facebook, Russ said, I just remember my kids doing headbanging in the back of the car when the chorus kicked in. Uh, Frederick Kilberg said, I like it a lot. It's unusually fast for Gary, one of the several outstanding songs on Dead Sun Rising. Uh, Veronique Alexander said, love that track. I guess everyone hears what they want to hear in song lyrics. And that is the beauty behind every song. To me, it gives this vibe that he is talking about someone who has built his life out of lies and deceits, a con artist of some sort, and he has been found out and exposed for the first time. Ian Fryer said, an absolute banger. It's funny how a lot of songwriters lose the knack of writing a catchy hook as they get older. Gary regained it in the 21st century with songs like this, I Am Dust and My Name Is Ruin, one to bung on down the mutant disco. And on Twitter, NYC Cinema Confidential said, in 2018, he did this as an encore and a show's sound engineer cranked up the 
mid-song keyboard breakdown to 11 sounded incredible. Uh, Leslie said, it's a banging tune, absolutely love it, the video is amazing, the song tells me it's about despair, someone trying to help someone from going on a downward spiral. Uh, Luke DeVisher said uh, The Fall should have had a lot more exposure than it did. Brilliant song, brilliant lyrics, and oh boy, what a stunning video clip. So sorry, not more people could have heard this stunning package. Love it. And so yeah, generally speaking, one of the best love songs that I've put out there for the, for in recent episodes, and I've got to say, um, yeah, definitely one of his very best for me personally over the last 15, 20 years, and summed up the brilliance, brilliantness of this album, and I think it deserves more, more love than it gets. So anyway, that's it for this episode. Uh, since the last episode, I was in attendance at the thousandth gig at the Electric Ballroom in London. What a moment that was. Well, I've got to say, the venue itself was a bit of a squeeze. Um, we did have a great time, uh, particularly seeing his daughter's Raven in Persia performing brand new material with Aid and the band beforehand and of course seeing Gary in his element thank you very much thank you strangely enough I, I haven't got anything prepared to say I forgot I should really be saying something so you know I'm, I'm, I'm really shit at this public speaking which is why I don't talk between songs very much but, um, yeah, I'm on the spectrum, so you know, something's not so easy. But um, to get to a thousand is special. entirely because people that you come to see me. So what all I am, I still play a role special in you. I just feel fucking lucky that you've been there, so thank you. I've got to say, I did spend a stupid amount of money on merch, which I don't always do. Um, but, you know, there was an excellent T-shirt which displays every single concert, and that was pretty damn cool. So for those of you also there, I hope you had a great time. Uh, he's also announced a series of acoustic gigs later this year, which I can't wait for. If you saw his acoustic videos he released during lockdown, I think this will be a true one-off treat for us Numenoids. Uh, so that's it. Thanks as ever for listening. I'll be back next time for another look back at a Newman classic. Please get in touch in all the usual ways. Email me at newmanpodcast at gmail.com about anything you like, suggestions or otherwise, or just to say hello. And I'm on Twitter at Newman Podcast. You can subscribe and stream wherever you get your podcasts and at newmanpodcast.com. So for now, see you soon. Electric Friends, a Gary Newman podcast. 
celebrating the tracks by a musical pioneer. pioneer. pioneer.